over the last couple of weeks, over the last few weeks, we've been doing a, a sermon series on the, the carols of Christmas, um, preparing ourselves during this admin season for, for Christmas, which is, which is tomorrow. Um, we're looking at some of our favorite Christmas carols to see what the biblical narrative in these, car- uh, in these carols are and, and to learn how these songs speak into our lives and into our um, circumstances. And the song that we will look briefly at this afternoon is the Christmas carol, Joy to the World, which um, we will sing as our song of response after this devotion. If you don't know the, the song, Joy to the World is a popular Christmas carol, but it was first written by um, Isaac Watts in 1719 as a, as a poem. It wasn't written as a carol, it was written as a, a poem. And the first chorus says, Joy to the World. The Lord is come, let earth receive her king, let every heart prepare him room, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and heaven and nature sing. So I'm going to be reading from Psalm 98. If you have a Bible, please turn there with me. If you don't, it will be on the screen. This is our portion of scripture that we'll be reading that has inspired this Christmas carol. Um, So I'll be reading from verse 1. Please follow along. I sing to the Lord a new song, for He has done marvelous things. His right hand and His holy arm have worked salvation for Him. The Lord has made known His salvation. He has revealed His righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered His steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Verse 4, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of melody, with trumpets and the sound of the horn. Make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. Let the sea roar and all that fills it, the world and all those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy together before the Lord, for He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. Please pray with me before we we study God's Word together. Dear Lord, we thank You that we can lift our voices and make a joyful noise tonight preparing our hearts and our minds for this Christmas day, Lord, which we celebrate every year. But Lord, we pray, Lord, even as people come from different places of the world, and even though we meet on a, on a Sunday afternoon, and um, sometimes maybe not feeling quite like Christmas with, with, the, with the heat, we, we ask, Lord, that you would please help us to see the, the reason for the season here in the Scriptures tonight. Thank you for the songs that we can sing that do remind us, Lord, of, of what you have done. But I pray these biblical truths, Lord, will be ingrained in our hearts and in our minds tonight, that we would be able to celebrate Christmas the way that it should be celebrated, in a way that would bring honor and glory to your name. So I pray tonight, Lord, please receive all the glory, receive all the honor, even from our responses. I pray that your Spirit would speak to us, that he would help us, Lord, to to meet with you in a very real way tonight. We ask this prayer in Jesus' precious name. Amen. 
So as I already mentioned, Joy to the, the World was not written as a Christmas carol. In its original form, it, had, it really had nothing to do with Christmas. It wasn't even written to, to be a song. Um, Isaac Watts, he wrote the first version as a poem from this psalm, Psalm 98. And this psalm is a, is a celebration of Jesus' role as king of both his church and the whole world. And Joy to the World was taken from the, the second part of the paraphrase which we see in, in verse 4 there. My first point this morning, this afternoon, we see in verse 1 to 3, and that is the sovereign Savior. The sovereign Savior. We see firstly the instruction given in verse 1. Look there in your Bibles, verse 1. The instruction is to sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord a new song. Singing in a new song does not mean that God is tired of hearing old songs and He's, he's looking for a new tune. A new song is a, is a celebration of a, of a new victory that has taken place, a new victory that has been accomplished by the Lord. And what is typically being sung is a song of salvation offered to the Lord in the context of military victory. And the reason the people are to sing is because they are to remember God's deliverance for them. The Lord's right hand and His holy army have worked salvation for God's people. And I love this declaration. God is powerful and He, he brings about salvation for Himself, by Himself. And it is by His own power that He, he brings victory for Himself. This is the great hope that we have. God will act for His own purposes and to defend His own name and His own holiness. Yes, we know that God will act on behalf of His people. We understand that. But consider that God will act on His own behalf. He will do this for Himself, which really gives us hope because it's not dependent on us broken people. It is dependent on God, the sovereign King of the universe. And God's faithfulness and God's righteousness is revealed through His salvation here in this, in this psalm. And really what's happened in context is Israel has received salvation. And they are singing and they are commanded to sing to the ends of the earth. Now, I know there's a lot of, a lot of news going on, a lot of talk at the moment about, about Israel and about Gaza. But please, let's not confuse physical Israel with spiritual Israel. People looking at the war between Israel and, and Palestine at the moment may get confused with this. But the Scriptures tell us in Romans chapter 9, verse 6, But it is not as though the Word of God has failed, for not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel. In other words, not all who were born from Israel, who are ethnic Israelites, belong to Israel. So this is not talking about physical Israel here. To be part of God's chosen people, you don't need to be born in Israel. What you need to do is to be born again. You need to be born again. And the Word of God has not failed, as Romans tells us. God has His chosen people, and He is continuing 
to redeem them even today amidst all of the conflict that we see in the news at the moment. God is still saving His people for Himself. He is still sovereign, and He is still in the work of saving people for Himself. Verse 4 of Joy to the World says, Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. And the church today is the, the special community of God's people. And we are special, but we're not perfect. We are undergoing this transformative work, and, and the Spirit uses the distinct life of the church to further that work as we go out of these four walls every week. And our job is to, is to share this good news with this broken and corrupt world. God is still redeeming His people. Let earth receive her King. Our job is to share this good news. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Our job is to be faithful to God's mission and to help people prepare their hearts so they can sing with us this new song. And God remembers His steadfast love. And He remembers His faithfulness. And this is our hope today. It's not up to us. It's not our faithfulness because we will fail. It is God's faithfulness and His steadfast love. And God's people are continuing to sing this new song all over the world tonight and tomorrow. And while the world hears songs about giving your heart away at Christmas and while they hear songs about Rudolph and the, the red-nosed reindeer and, and similar other secular songs with, with, with modern consumer Christmas around, let's make sure that we sing this new song that we are commanded to sing, the song of salvation, the song of salvation. Let us loudly proclaim, Emmanuel, God is with us, the story of the birth of Jesus Christ. That leads to my second point we see in verse 4 to verse 9. Joy to the world. It's not too difficult to understand why this poem has become a song. Singing and, and worshiping are really synonymous as we, as we praise our Lord together. I mean, what a wonderful experience singing together, isn't it? It's one thing singing on your own in the shower. It's something totally different singing together as a, as a community, isn't it? And King David, the, the human author of this, of this psalm, he, he speaks of praise to God for his, his work of salvation in, in, in different widening circles. We see there first for his people, and then we see then all the earth, and then finally all creation. Look at verse 4. He says, shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth. And since the great news of God's marvelous things have, have taken place, and the news of this goes to the ends of the earth. It is right for the earth to praise Yahweh. And then look at verse 7. It says, let the sea roar and all of its fullness. While the musical instruments mentioned in verse 5 and verse 6 were, were not the only voices to give God the praise that He deserved. Now the sea, now the sea itself is called to add its roar to the sound of praise. The rivers 
and the hills are brought into this, this worship team with their joyful song, all the earth. And then verse 9, look at verse 9. It says that God is coming to judge the earth. We see the strong and deep praise that has been described in this psalm. It's not only for the marvelous things that, that God has done. It is also for the work that He is about to do. Also for the work that He is about to do. Verse 9 goes on to say, He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. Now, His righteous rule and reign will, will be a welcome relief for all creation that has suffered under the sin and the rebellion of mankind. I was watching the news again this week and, and saw in Jerusalem or in Bethlehem, they, they, they're boycotting Christmas. All of Bethlehem this year is boycotting Christmas because of the conflict that's going on there. We live in a broken world. And what a welcome relief it will be when our righteous king returns. Amen? When our righteous king will rule and reign. And all creation that has suffered under sin and rebellion of mankind will rejoice, will break out in praise. And here's the connection, I think. Here's the connection to the, to the Christmas carol, Joy to the World. Even though Psalm 98 clearly depicts the, the second coming of Christ, a second coming cannot be manifested without a first coming. A second coming cannot be manifested without a first coming. And while David could sing and, and he could call others to sing of the, the Redeemer King who was to come, we who live on the other side of the cross, who live almost 3,000 years after King David, we can sing about the fulfillment of this biblical truth that has impacted the world. We can sing because of the promise of the gospel. We can sing because of the promise of the gospel. And one of the reasons why, why joy to the world may have become a, a well-loved Christmas carol is not just the ultimate joy that is revealed in Jesus' incarnation, but also because of the, the similarities that it has between um, Psalm 98 as well as Mary's Magnificat, which we've heard about from Luke chapter 1. One Bible scholar by the name of James Boyce, he says the following about this. He says, There are striking parallels between the first part of Psalm 98 and Mary's Magnificat, which may mean that the mother of Jesus had the psalm in her mind as she composed her hymn, and that she rightly saw that the promise of the psalm were to be fulfilled in the spiritual victories to be achieved by Jesus Christ. What a wonderful thought, isn't it? The very mother of Jesus was thinking of Psalm 98 as she sang her song, as she composed her song, realizing the fulfillment of these scriptures to be achieved by Jesus Christ. But the question I have for us tonight, do you know of these spiritual victories that have been achieved by Jesus Christ? Can you honestly sing joy to the world, the Lord has come this Christmas? It's difficult to manufacture joy, isn't it? 
I'm sure this Christmas unbelievers will, will try to find joy. I have no doubt that unbelievers tonight will be trying to find joy by, by going to parties and, and Christmas celebrations. I'm, I'm sure loud music and alcohol will, will be involved. I'm sure some lonely unbelievers may even try to find joy in, in the arms of, of strangers tonight. I'm sure unbelieving children will find temporary happiness in the gifts that they will open under the, the Christmas tree tomorrow morning. But these idols of pleasure may bring joy for a season. But yet, their returns are, are diminished. These idols will eventually fail. Because pursuing happiness in the, in the gifts or happiness in the, in the person and not the giver of these gifts is exactly what Satan wants the world to do. And while unbelievers hope for happiness from the world, from people, from created things, believers hope for happiness in something completely different. We hope for happiness in and through the finished work of Christ on the cross. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 tells us, For the joy set before Him, Jesus endured the cross. For the joy set before Him, Jesus endured the cross. So can you honestly sing tonight, this Christmas, Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Lastly, my third point is taken from Genesis chapter 3, far as the curse is found. This is from the third stanza in Joy to the World. Let me read this stanza to you. It says, No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make His blessings flow, far as the curse is found. Now, this stanza is not based on Psalm 98, and, and sometimes this psalm is, is actually left out. If you have a, a printed booklet, um, we printed that song with that psalm left out. The correct verse will be on the screen, so make sure you, you watch the screen, okay? There are, there are many, many um, books and many um, song that, versions that leave that, that chorus out. But the curse is a, is a reference to Genesis chapter 3, verse 17, when, when God says to Adam, after the eating of the fruit from the tree, he, he says to Adam, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree which I have commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. And in pain, you shall eat of it all the days of your life. And I think the curse is a significant part of the gospel, and that's why we, we're finishing here tonight. The curse is found everywhere, just like the verse says. The curse is found everywhere. And the curse has been passed down from generation to generation through the ages, from, from Adam and Eve in the garden, even to us today. In every corner of the globe. God didn't ignore the sin of Adam and Eve. He dealt with their sin as a serious matter. I think Genesis 3 gives us really the proper view of, of who God is. When Adam and Eve sinned, God did not strike them dead on the spot as His 
holiness alone would have required. Nor did he say, well, that's okay, don't, don't worry about it. We'll just sweep this sin under the carpet, as his love may have allowed. Rather, God dealt with their sin as a serious matter. And he imposed the, the penalty their sin required. God introduced toil and pain as the necessary consequence of Adam and Eve's sin. There was a consequence. But the ultimate part of the curse as it applies to all humankind is physical death. Is physical death. Our bodies will return to dust. I know that's not a very jolly thing to think about on Christmas Eve. But the ultimate consequence is death. And since the fall and because of this curse, death is the enemy of every person. We can spend our lives working toward certain goals and, and build up our bank accounts and our portfolios. And yet we can be struck down any day by the most trivial of accidents and even diseases. And death is no respecter of persons. Young or old, rich or poor, we all face death. And in many ways, this curse of death really forces us to come to terms with God and eternity. Very few of us would do that if we didn't recognize our own mortality. Death shouts at us that we desperately need to be right with God. And that is why in the stanza we have another reason to be joyful. The verse says, He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. And during Christmas, we celebrate Christ first coming to this earth in the form of a human being. That's his incarnation. That's a fancy word we call for him becoming flesh. But he did this for a reason. So that we would not be left to suffer the ultimate consequence of our sin, eternal death. Joy to the world because God's grace triumphs. Hallelujah. Amen. He comes to make His blessings flow far as the curse is found. And Christ needed to come to earth in the form of a human so He would live a perfect life. So he could offer up his body as the perfect sacrifice for our sins. And today, you are either standing before God blessed or cursed. You are cursed if you have rejected this perfect sacrifice for your sins that Jesus made on your behalf when he died on the cross of Calvary. You are cursed and condemned in your sins. If you should die today, or even tomorrow, or the next week, or next year, without receiving God's gift of salvation, then you will have no protection from sin's ultimate consequences. But if you have come to Christ, if you have come to the Lamb of God, and you have allowed Him to cover your sin with His shed blood, then you are blessed. You are blessed. Romans chapter 6 verse 23 tells us, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in 
Christ Jesus, our Lord. Joy to the world because God's grace triumphs. The free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. He comes to make His blessings flow far as the curse is found. One last application about joy. If you're a believer, a joyful heart shines the truth of what we believe to the world. A joyful heart matters. A joyful heart matters. Well, as Christians, we're not immune to difficulties. We're not excluded from hardships. We're not excluded from suffering. We're not excluded from, from trials. However, we experience them differently than, than others do. We experience them differently than unbelievers do. Because we have hope. We have hope in our darkness. We have hope through the valley of the shadow of death. We can mourn circumstances that are hard. And at the same time, we can rejoice in a God who works all things for good. Remember when Jesus was on his way to the cross, he was preparing to endure unimaginable pain. At this moment, what was on his mind? What were his, his last words to, to those that he, he loved? Well, John 15, 11 tells us, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Jesus was thinking about your joy on his way to the cross. Jesus was concerned about our joy. At the height of his agony, his love desired our joy. It's unbelievable to think about, isn't it? For the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. And Jesus wasn't hoping for us to have just a little bit of, of happiness. He wants us to have fullness of joy, overflowing joy, abundant joy. Our joy matters to Jesus. But our joy matters for more than ourselves. Our joy matters to the world watching us. Our joy matters to the unbelieving world. It causes the world to scratch their head and, and question why. It causes the world to question the church to rejoice and to look at Christ, our only hope and Savior. Our joy and hope come not from ourselves, but from the Lord who saves, but from the Lord who rules and judges the earth, as Psalm 98 teaches us tonight. We do not have to be disturbed by life's problems or political issues or, or global events because God reigns. And at Christmas, we come to celebrate because He came to make earth, He came to the earth to make His blessings flow. And Christians, let us sing the song of joy to the watching world. Let us sing it in such a way that people ask us about this joy, about this hope. And then let us be prepared to share our hope. He comes to make His blessings flow. And Christian, we have every reason for hope tonight. Because Jesus came the first time and He has promised He is coming again. 
And we can sing with conviction tonight. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Amen. Please pray with me. Father, we are so grateful tonight for the joy that you have set before us. And Lord, as believers who have put their faith and their trust in your finished work on the cross, we rejoice tonight and we celebrate your redemption. We celebrate your salvation that you have secured for us. We sing a new song tonight for the victory that you have secured for us. And Lord, we do pray tonight for visitors that are here, for people that are with us that don't know this joyful song, that don't know you as their Savior. I pray tonight that you would open their eyes, open their ears, open their hearts to receive Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. For your glory, Lord, and for our joy, we ask and pray. Amen.